Are you an entrepreneur looking to have your business grow with a little help from the internet? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Harness the Web with your host, Steve Peck. Hey everyone, this is Steve Peck. I'm here today with Paul Kirch, and he's the host of the Boss Academy Radio. It's a show catering to business owners and entrepreneurs, sharing his experiences and expertise while he brings in his guests to provide high-value messaging to give support to his listeners. BOSS stands for Business Ownership Success Strategies, which is the focus of every episode. Paul hosted a live radio show before on channel KVCE. I'm glad I don't have to say that a lot of times every day. <laughs> KVCE Radio in Dallas, Texas, before embarking on his podcasting journey which has helped him expand his network and provide real marketing support to his brand. He's interviewed the likes of John Scully, the former CEO of Apple Computers and PepsiCo, John Worlow, who's the author of Built to Sell and The Automatic Customer, David Newman, who's the author of Do It Marketing, and many other thought leaders and innovators. Paul is currently the president and CEO of Actus Sales Intelligence, a sales intelligence agency known for helping its clients sell smarter. Currently, he's writing his first book titled Ninja Follow-Up, where he helps readers explore better ways to follow up with leads, prospect, and lapsed customers. He's developed a training program called the ABEs of Selling, spent 20 years with a Gallup organization where he worked with many brand name organizations like AT&T and Blue Cross Blue Shield, and there's so, so much more. We'll put all that up in the show notes page page for those of you who'd like to read it but here we just want to welcome paul hey steve thanks so much for having me on it's our pleasure believe me and uh I, the first question i'm going to ask you is like what was it like to interview john scully well you know it's really interesting uh hosting a live radio show in dallas i had at my disposal amazing production people uh really good pr so when John Scully launched his book, Moonshot, he was looking for some exposure in the Dallas Metroplex. And so he reached out to me and uh, wanted to get on my show because I had a listenership in Dallas. And he thought, what a great way to get some exposure. So uh, we did a – I had uh, an hour show with four 10-minute segments and then some commercial breaks. So 60 minutes of drive time. And so when John came on, we actually spent, I think, two – 10-minute segments talking with him. And you can go over a lot in 20 minutes, but you can 20 minutes can just fly by. And talking to him was really, really, it was really empowering because you understand why somebody like him reaches to the level that he did. He took, I believe at the time, Apple was, uh, what were they, $800 million? And he took them to $8 billion, if I remember the numbers right. And his leadership there and at PepsiCo, all... Very impressive. But what's ironic about somebody like him, you don't think about where he started. He started as an intern at PepsiCo and came on board as a marketing research intern. He actually was out doing deliveries and, and out in the stores, uh, you know, just seeing how the, the process worked. He was doing marketing research studies, and he rose all the way up to being CEO. And so today he seems like a guy who's bigger than life, but he started off where a lot of us did, you know, just basically trying to get his foot in the door somewhere. And so my experience with him was amazing. I've actually interviewed him four different times. And, you know, there was nothing intimidating about it because when you're talking to him, he is so good at just adapting to the conversation and answering any question with a great thought. And none of these were planted questions. I didn't give him questions in advance. 
we just started digging in and having a really good conversation about his book Moonshot, which which is a great read because he really does help entrepreneurs discover that there are a lot of moonshot opportunities out there, and moonshots are the you know you think about a company like Facebook starting from nothing to being this multi-billion-dollar company, and he wants to help entrepreneurs see that there are opportunities for a lot of companies to go big like that. So it was it was really a great experience. That's that is awesome. I uh, it's I, I think when you run into someone who's like that, who gives you that, where once you talk to them, you can tell why they got to where they are. Yeah, absolutely. You know the thing yeah. about him though that's really interesting is he's not. Arrogant. I mean, yes, I, I think there's obviously some arrogance that goes at probably at that level and what he had to achieve. But today he's out there really helping other entrepreneurs. He's got some amazing training programs he does. And I think he's I think he was kind of humbled with a lot of things that happened during his career. And he really has a I want to give back and make a difference mindset. So it wasn't like I was talking to somebody who was on a pedestal looking down. You know, he really treats people like they're on his level. It's it's um that's awesome. I'm uh, and congratulations for having that opportunity to to interview folks like him. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So enough about them though. So let's talk about you. Uh, my what favorite subject, Steve. <laughs> Paul, what is it you really do? So, yeah, I own a sales consulting agency called Actus Sales Intelligence, and our focus there is really helping companies learn to sell smarter. So we focus on sales strategy, strategic planning, um, sales coaching. And then we do lead generation. But when I started my company back in 2009, the economy was in the, in the tank. I'd been in corporate America for 21 years. And I had a wife who was eight months pregnant. But we were just part of kind of a, I'm going to call it an ugly acquisition, a company I loved and we really enjoyed working for. She was running operations. I was running sales. Had gotten acquired. And overnight, the culture changed. There was a company overseas. They micromanaged us to death. Uh, it was really not a great transition. And I went from loving it to, I mean, just to be truthful, I hated it. I hate to use the word hate because that's such a strong word, but I really did not like what I saw happening to the company, this brand that we loved. And, you know, I, I saw that it wasn't where I wanted to stay. So I stayed on board for a while. But, you know, when you've got a wife who's pregnant and emotional and Sunday night she's crying because we have to go into work the next day, something had to change. And so when I started my company, it was something that I'd wanted to do for 21 years and was afraid to do it. And when the opportunity came up, I still wasn't going to do it. I'm taking job interviews, getting offers, turning them down. My wife goes, what are you doing? Take something, one of these jobs, or go start this company. So it was with her blessing and her, you know, probably size six, six foot. I don't even know what size <laughs> shoes she wears, Steve. I'm probably making a mistake by even throwing out a number. But she put it in my backside, pushed me off the ledge. And when she did that, Something happened to me where I said, I've always wanted this. Now I have the opportunity to do it. I want to make a difference and give back. So I said when I could do it, I was going to find a way to give back and help the entrepreneur. And that's where Boss Academy came. So you asked what I do. I do a few things. Uh, I run a couple of companies. But Boss Academy Radio and BossAcademy.com is where my true passion is because I truly believe the entrepreneurs can change the world. And I want to be somebody that helps make a difference and helps support them. That that is so great. The um, just the, the, I guess the transition from that corporate life to a not corporate life, and how many people end up in that spot? You know, I don't think I don't think people who haven't been in it recognize uh, people who could have really on the outside what looked like great situations, 
great positions and they just dread going to work every day. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, it's like everyone's life on Facebook. Everyone on Facebook has this amazing life and we're all so envious of their travel and everything. But then you get to talking to them outside of the of Facebook and you realize, you know what? They have the same stresses and issues that we all do. And some of them have more so. They just don't share it. They share the positive moments. And I think that's the way it is for a lot of people. I had this career where I went from working in operations at the Gallup organization for 10 years, moving into sales because I thought sales was the closest to an entrepreneurial role without having to actually take that risk. And it really was for me. And it was a great move. My career kept growing. I kept making more money. And I felt more unfulfilled every year. Now, when I went to that company I mentioned that I loved, that ended up getting acquired, that was one of the best moments in my career because I really was doing something I loved. Uh, I was in a leadership role. I was inspiring a lot of the people that worked for me and making a difference there. But when that all went away, I was like, okay, you know what? This is the way it is today. That can all change at a moment's notice. So why shouldn't I have some control over my life and how that all happens? And so for me, it was a point where I reached a turning point of mindset and a turning point of, it was no longer about, oh my gosh, I'm afraid to take the risk. It was like, I'm a fool if I don't do this. And so I, I, I did it, you know, and I fortunately had somebody behind me who was really supportive. And it's worked out well for you. It's, you know, it's been the toughest thing I've ever done. It's been the most rewarding thing I've ever done. So yes, it's worked out well. It's been an amazing experience, but being an entrepreneur has, it has challenges. I mean, I've had ups and downs over the last six years, learned a lot of lessons. But from those lessons, I've moved forward every step of the way. And, you know, it's like the old adage that if you fall down, but you fall forward and you keep picking yourself up and fall down again, eventually you can reach the finish line if you fall forward. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs do. You know, we, we learn the hard way. We learn hard lessons. But as long as we're moving forward and picking ourselves back up, we get to the finish line. And so now I want to help see others see that they don't have to go it alone. I didn't have entrepreneurial mentors growing up. I didn't have people that could really guide me down that path when I started. I've since created that. I've created, I've been a part of masterminds. I've surrounded myself with amazing thought leaders. Bossacademy.com has given me so many great resources and it's free to other people because the people I interview, like, you know, people like yourself are out there inspiring others and making a huge difference. And I learn from every one of them. I mean, I find myself listening to my own show over and over because I love some of these guests I have on and I take so many things away. So I know my listeners do too. But my point is that we need to find a way of supporting each other, and that's what I'm, I'm really trying to do is help others see that they don't have to go it alone. Now, you were talking to Paul about some of the challenges you faced. Could you, could you just step back and kind of like um, tell us a story about one of those challenges and the lesson you came away with from it? <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of, of, I guess, we'll call it mistakes. I think everyone who goes into business – even people coming out with a Harvard MBA make mistakes, right? I mean, a lot of people that don't have entrepreneurial experience get into it thinking, well, you know, I'm going to come up with an idea. I'm going to market myself, go out and sell, service the clients. Well, all those things are great. But what I found very quickly is that I was the chief cook and bottle washer. You know, I was doing QuickBooks. And the first time I got a letter from the IRS saying I'd missed a deadline and missed a, you know, missed a filing deadline and I got a, a penalty for it my heart sank. And, and, you know, it's like things like that. So, you know, eventually I got to the point where I had a bookkeeper and an accountant and all those things to support me. But in the beginning, I'm doing it all. And the challenge I faced with the business model I created in the beginning is I wanted a business. 
I was a sales trainer. I was a sales leader at the time. And so I said, I'm going to help other people build their sales organizations. So I'm going to support this. I had clients day one, which is a great thing. But the downside of all of it is I created a business model that was me trading time for money. And there's 24 hours in a day, only so many hours in a week. And I was building a business that could only scale to a certain point. And once I got to a point where I'm doing well, but not doing well like I thought I should be because I just didn't have the, there wasn't more time. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I got to go take care of accounting. I got to go take care of invoicing. I got to take care of this. Oh my gosh, I'm the one who's got to have this meeting. And it's all started to pile up and I started to realize that I needed to build systems and scale that just are not possible in some business types, especially if you don't have support. And so I started building partnerships and relationships with other companies that could support certain things. I didn't want a lot of employees. Now, I had a partner at one point in my company. It didn't work out. We parted ways. That was a big setback, but great lessons learned from it. You know, if you go into a business with a partner, make sure it's somebody that you know is fully vested in what you do. I, you know, I, I won't go into details, but there were some things that happened that were extremely shady and very disappointing from that experience. And I learned some hard lessons, but what came out of it is I knew that I didn't want to go down that path of having a bunch of partners, at least not at that point in my business. And I didn't want a bunch of employees because he was a, an employee as well as a partner because uh, I have a sub S corporation. So I was like, okay, so how do I build this and scale this? Well, let's build some partner relationships with people who offer ser services that I can go out and market as my own and treat these people as if they're employees. And so I built a lead generation team with a partnering company six years ago, and we've had an amazing experience. Now, the reason that it makes sense for me to even be involved is because I am, I serve kind of almost in a project management role. I'm there to support the campaigns and make sure the client's happy, but I don't have to do the heavy lifting. So there's scale there, and there's some things that I can do to grow that. And if I had to do all that myself without having that kind of support, it'd be really tough. So some of the lessons I learned were really creating some scale and some systems in my business to, to develop growth in a business model which was obviously limited because of the trading time for money. Did you find that at some point you needed to change your business model to, to accommodate the size of business you were? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's ever-changing. And uh, the more that I work on active sales intelligence, the more I'm moving away from me being at the center of everything and building more training programs that are more automated and they're available online. Uh, built Boss Academy very much with the mindset. Boss Academy Radio is my show, and I host it, I manage it. It's, it's something that it's a great credibility tool, brings people in. But I've got an expert network that I'm building that has other people that are contributing content and that are there to support the entrepreneur and give them something to, to grow their business with and some great knowledge and insights. It doesn't have to be all about me. I didn't need a paulkirch.com. You know, I didn't need a, a me.com site. I wanted something that was bigger than me. So day one, Boss Academy was built with the idea of scale in mind. And when did you first see that, like, harnessing the Internet was a really op 
an opportunity for your business? Was it before you got started? Was it some point along the journey? When did it ha- like when did it happen? Well, you know, you can't live in this day and age and be tech savvy, which I've been a programmer and I, you know, I've got a, a strong technology background, operations background, sales background. I'm kind of a unique hybrid. And so, of course, you can't go, live in this world without seeing the opportunity online. But sometimes you go, okay, well, how are people really making money? It seems like the only people really making money are the ones who are out there teaching people to make money, which I found out is not true. But a few years ago, I think I was probably a year into my company. It was probably 2010. And I was listening to a Tony Robbins interview, and he mentioned this program he had called Money Masters. And so I actually uh, called up and wanted to get some more information on this Money Masters, and they sent me a free I think it was a free uh, interview at the time. And so I, I listened to that, and it was an interview with a gentleman by the name of Jeff Walker. And so I was just enamored with this concept that he had. He was teaching people about product launch formula. Product launch formula is something he created where he was teaching people to take a product or service, do an online launch where you build a list and launch it out. And you know a lot of these people are making seven-figure income off of these these launches and it's an amazing program so i learned a little bit more about him bought into the money masters program started learning about all these other guys like i think it was rich sheffer and frank kern amazing amazing people that are successful in the online space that i didn't even know existed and then all of a sudden i got kind of drawn into this world i went to the uh, jeff walker's event and started to see the real opportunities that exist online now i'm not an online guru in terms of building funnels and doing all these launches that's not something that i've i've gone down that path but i have enough familiarity and i've worked with a lot of people that are in that space to see the scale opportunities there and so that's something we're trying to work into some of the things we're doing now as well isn't it fascinating when you see someone like a jeff walker who you didn't really know existed and if you look around on the internet today you can see his influence everywhere. You can. You know, and the interesting thing about it is now that I know about Jeff Walker, now that I know about product launches, now that I know about sales funnels, I know about Ryan Dice, a digital marketer, all these companies, I'm very familiar with these. And I talk to people and I can talk intelligently about it. But I forget that just a few years ago, I didn't know that world existed. Most people, Steve, that you and I know, don't know that those people exist in that capacity. And it's hard to believe that because I surround myself with a lot of people who have that same familiarity because they've been studying it, and that's how I've made these connections. But I forget that the average person doesn't know that there are these people out there. So we fall into the trap of sometimes forgetting what we know. And by that, I mean that sometimes we fall into the, the trap of forgetting that at one point, we didn't have a level of knowledge that we have today. And a lot of people around us don't have that knowledge that we have now. And we, for, we take for granted that, well, everyone knows that. You know what? Not everyone knows that. There's still people out there that you could teach them to set up a LinkedIn profile, and they would be thrilled to death. And it's stuff that we take for granted. And I think that it's in those moments that a lot of consultants and coaches and leaders sometimes skip over stuff that is vitally important because they assume other people know it. And sometimes that's the biggest mistake. Don't you think that's always a problem for people? It is. It is. You need to take inventory, though, of, of your skill set. And, you know, I've had so many people that have come to me and said, well, you know, I want to start a business, but, 
you know, I just don't know what to do, and who'd, who'd want to hear from me? That is such a negative mindset because everyone has experience that someone else out there does not have. And you can inspire and train and, and guide people in ways that you just forget that you have that ability. And I have to take inventory of that constantly because I think we're all guilty of that. You know, sometimes I remember when I started Boss Academy Radio. I'm doing this live radio show, drive time, uh, started to build up a little following, moved it to a podcast, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, gosh, is anybody listening? I'm putting all these shows out there. They're going out on iTunes. They're going out on my site. But I don't seem to be getting any listeners. And once I started to see that I was getting listeners, I started to see the opportunity. But I, uh, at one point, almost said, is this worth it? You know, now I've got a show that's got a great following. I mean, I've got, I don't know, 135 five-star reviews out on iTunes and, and great popularity out there. And, and the show is constantly in the what's hot in iTunes. At one point, I was almost ready to walk away because I just made some false assumptions. That's why they always say, what gets measured gets improved. And if you're able to measure things, get good metrics on it. So I use Libsyn for my hosting now. I used to be on SoundCloud. This is not a slam on SoundCloud. SoundCloud's a great service, but their metrics were not good. And now with Libsyn, I have such visibility, and I'm like, wow, people are listening. Wow, it is making a difference. So it's, yeah, it's a dangerous trap to fall into sometimes forget what we know and forget what we don't know. Or not value it. I think a lot of people have that problem where, I know I did for a long time, I didn't value what I knew. That's right. I, I just thought everybody knew it. Yeah, and 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 it's it's the easy mindset, but really when we put some thought to it, you took years to get where you are. And there are the, there's other people going down different paths. I mean, I think about the entrepreneur space, I, I had somebody reach out to me the other day who at first I was like, why is this person reaching out to me? He works as a uh, a busboy at a restaurant, and he connects me. And that's actually how he has his job listed on Facebook. But he reaches out to me, and he starts having a conversation with me on chat. And it turns out that he's in the process of building a business that's about to launch. He's got some venture capital money behind him, he and a couple of partners. He's been working in restaurants to pay the bills while he gets this up and going. And I might have dismissed that guy or just walked right over the top of him if I wasn't the kind of person who recognized that, you know what, there was a time when I wasn't where I am today. Yeah, most definitely. I, I always try to think of that um, why I've had to do some of the things that I've done was <laughs> so that I could learn to value where I am today. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like, what if, you know, we... Our show is really about the internet and leveraging it in your business. What are two or three of the top benefits that you get today out of using the internet? Well, the internet is an amazing source for leads, of course, but you know, on top of it, it's a an amazing place to build a credibility reputation. And I, I you know, I feel for the people that go out and burn a lot of bridges, but you know, on, online. We often feel like we've got this infinite number of people we can prospect from. And, you know, it kind of got, in some ways, depending on your niche market that you're in, you know, depending on the market you're in, you, you may be able to arguably say, well, there is an infinite number of people I can go out after, or at least perceivably infinite. But the truth be told is building a reputation online of being somebody who's a giving person, a thought leader, a trusted uh, individual, 
that is going to pay off tenfold. And so I've been very fortunate. I wrote a lot of articles when I first started my company. I was doing a lot of blogging. I've got Boss Academy Radio. And I'm seen by a lot of people as somebody who is a trustworthy business expert. If you look me up, you do a search on me, and this is not bragging, but you go out and do a search on Google, on LinkedIn, you're going to find positive things about me. I'm very proud of that. I'm very protective of that. I don't hide from doing the right thing just to avoid you know, getting a, a black mark in any way. But in the end, I have a reputation that allows people to see me as credible when they find me. So that's one big piece is focus on building your own brand equity and brand reputation online. That's a big part of it. And I mentioned, go ahead, Steve. No, no. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, the other thing I mentioned is I mentioned lead opportunities. If done properly, we can really attract the right audience and the right buyers and not just attract an audience. That's the, that's the danger of online marketing is sometimes we focus on just putting a message out there and not really being careful about who we're marketing to. A lot of you know really smart online marketers and marketers in general talk about the, the avatar, building an avatar, figuring out who is your ideal customer, who is actually that person who you want attracted to your business. And we often ignore that exercise. And so one of the things I highly recommend to people is figure out who you really want buying from you. That doesn't mean you're not going to get some other people in there. And be open to turning business away if it's not a fit. This is true online. This is true offline. But I find that if I can be selective of who I want to work with, then it attracts more of those types of people. Instead of attracting people that just are willing to pay me some money, but they're not going to walk away satisfied or feel fulfilled. Yeah. I always think of that in terms of fishing for some reason. You know, because you, you, you got different, depending on what kind of fish you want to catch, you have different equipment and different bait. Like, you know, you, you wouldn't take a cane pole out DC, deep sea fishing, um, and you wouldn't take a big rig for deep sea fishing if you were just trying to catch, you know, some sunfish with your, you know, your kids or something, right? Totally different kinds of things and different kind of bait. And it seems like that was, it's that whole thing, knowing what what you're going after so that you can select the right bait and select the right equipment and really you only want that bait you those you only want those fish you don't want any fish yeah that's right that's right you know you're willing to throw back some of those others that you know you're going tuna fishing you don't want to just catch anything you're willing to throw some of those others back yeah exactly so that's always it's it was a big hard lesson for me to get although i finally have seen that on the internet the great thing is that maybe if if you um normally are in a local market it seems that you may uh, that that some of the groups may not be big enough, right? The little niche that you're in, or the the right kind of person. But as soon as you move on to the internet, the people that you want to attract, that you you have you can your reach, you know, is huge to find those kinds of people. Yeah, the more you can niche it down online, and and I've and I'm going to caution that because I haven't truly niched my business down any further than I have for reason. But if you can build a really specific niche online, there's a gentleman I met. Uh, I think it's the Manly Guide to Pinterest or something like that. I might be getting his show wrong. But his show is extremely specific. He targets men 
who want to use Pinterest to help, help grow their business. Now, I thought, who can build a show around that? I mean, how much content can you have? But he's been running this show for well over a year. He's been very successful with it. And he's starting to build a nice following. He's got a great show that gets great reviews. My point is, that's a very specific niche offering, niche targeting. Um, I went after the small business owner, the entrepreneur, and the entrepreneur. Now, that's pretty broad if you think about it. But my reasoning behind it is my story of how I started my business and the 21 years I spent wanting to own my own company and being afraid to go out and do it. That drives so much of what Boss Academy is about. So I, I don't feel like I can niche it down further without really kind of degrading my story and my message. I wrote an article once uh, that was called The Cowardly Entrepreneur. And I don't remember, I think I was, before I had started my company, yeah, it was, I'm certain it was, but it was called The Cowardly Entrepreneur, and it's kind of a variation of, you know, The Wizard of Oz, and it was this concept of an entrepreneur who was afraid to go out and start his own company. And that was me for the longest time. And when I did launch my company, I rewrote that article and really focused on the things I was doing in the beginning to make sure that I got off on the right foot. I built my own personal board of directors which was the equivalent of a mastermind group, but it was really focused on some one-on-one -on -one time with some people who were willing to help me succeed. They wanted to see me succeed. They were willing to donate time. You know, I get asked all the time, well, did you have to pay people? And it's like, and people are afraid to ask for help, but I find that there's people out there that really want to see you flourish. Now, we live in a world where it seems like it's just the opposite. We love to see people fail. We love the train wreck. Truth be told, most people want to feel like they're making an impact and making a difference, and they want to help others succeed. So if you have somebody that you want to work with, that you want them to help support you, and you can be respectful of their time, don't be afraid to ask because you might just be surprised by the answer you get. Paul, Paul what's one of your favorite tools on the net? Well, I have a few, but probably my favorite tool is a scheduling tool I use called Vesita. Vesita.com. It's V-C-I-T-A.com. In fact, if you go to uh, bossacademy.com forward slash, forward slash schedule, you'll get a chance to see the tool in action. But Vesita has really changed the game for me in terms of scheduling because there's nothing more annoying than the back and forth. Hey, do you want to meet this week? Yeah, when, do you, when are you free? Oh, I'm free at Tuesday at, at 2. Well, I'm tied up then. What about, you know, you go to this back and forth. Now I can send people this link and they can go on and see my schedule, pick a time, and it does a great job of manage, managing the relationship. It's probably the best one I've seen. I know you use a different one, and I've used some others, but it's my favorite by far. And that's it's a great tool. That's very cool. And I know I use a different tool, but the, the what it does is awesome. Yeah. And, you know, another tool that I, I, I love, as simple as it is, is a, a signature tool called Stamp. I can build a, a really nice professional branded signature i've got three different companies that i'm uh, that i run or at least work to, i have a partner on one i mentioned earlier not having partners well i do have a partner on a company called actus 360 kind of a long story but he and i do have a web development uh, mobile apps web app company that we work together on and then i've got boss academy radio and then actus sales intelligence i can build these really cool branded signatures that automatically go into my email and it allows for the ability to, to do some really cool customization. Simple tools, but they make such a difference. And that one is Y stamped, the letter Y? No, Wise as in W-I-S-E. Okay. Wise stamp. 
That's great. Now I'm and, I'm talking from a kind of a higher level. These are real simple tools that simplify life. They focus on relationships. You know, if you want to get deeper and talk about things like infusion soft and things like that, we sure can. But but when you ask what are some of my favorite tools, I mean some of the tools I love the most are the ones that simplify the mundane or they just help with your reputation. That's that is so great because I mean, I agree with you. I think that some of the tools that are the smallest, easiest to implement have the biggest impact on your ability to provide value. Really. Yeah, the, the ones that when you discover them, you kick yourself that you didn't know that something like that existed for the longest time. Cause... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, for the people listening today, can you give us one success tip, either online or offline, that they can implement today before they go to bed? Um, in 30 minutes or less. Well, when you started to ask the question, I had a thought pop into my head because it's something that I, I know makes a big difference. It's not a 30 minute or less indulgement. So if you allow me to go there first, maybe we can sure. come back and go the other direction. Yeah. So one thing that we have to remember is often, and I'm going to talk really about offline sales versus online sales. However, some of the th same things apply. We have products and services we love, and often we really believe in what we're selling, but we're afraid to put ourselves out there. We're afraid to annoy people, afraid to frustrate people. When I look at, I think it was the National Sales Foundation had this study that they'd done, 80% of all sales happen between the fifth and 12th outreach. Most sales professionals stop at three. So that means that you know even a high-performing salesperson who's only doing three or four outreaches could have so much more business if they focused on more outreaches. And this isn't about stalking. This isn't about annoying people. This is about taking an audience that has expressed interest or that you know could be an amazing customer and you can provide them value and you owe it to them to make a difference in their life, staying on their radar and following up with them and, and this isn't about hounding them. This is about reaching out and providing real valuable messaging as to why you can serve them and getting to know them from a relationship standpoint. Our lead generation team, outbound sales calls, we're seeing it's sometimes eight, nine calls before we're even securing an appointment with some of these larger Fortune 500 companies that are hard to get into. But that's the world we live in. It just takes more outreaches. So one of the greatest things that I, you know, I, I came up with this phrase because somebody was asking me one time about how often they should reach out. And, I, and, I, and they were said, well, you know, I don't want to annoy people. I can give so many examples of why this is an important lesson, but a lack of response does not equal a lack of interest. If somebody's expressed interest to you and you follow up with them a couple of times and you don't hear from them, our automatic inclination is to think, well, they're not interested. They're not interested. And you move on. But truth be told, think about yourself. They were probably distracted by a million other things. They've got their phone ringing off the hook. They've got other appointments. You're not a priority at that point in time. So if you want their business, you need to stay top of mind. Because when they think of a company, they say, hey, you know what? I have a need now, and I need to, to go out and find someone. You want them thinking of you and not their competitors. So remember, a, a lack of response does not equal a lack of interest. And that's true online or off. But I'd say it applies as much online, or excuse me, offline as anything, because when we're making outbound efforts, we need to do more. 
So we want to talk about 30 minutes or less, something they can do every day. Having a good morning ritual will change your life. And one of the things I started doing is coming to the office. I do some planning the night before, coming to the office and doing a little whiteboarding session. Spend 15 or 20 minutes kind of mapping out the things I want to get accomplished during the day. And I figure out what are those three musts I, get, I need to get done today. And the musts are not optional. They're things that have to get done. I need to get these done to be effective. The problem is we live in a world where a lot of people love their checklists. They make their little checks off and they move stuff to the next day. And they go, oh, look at me. Look how much I got done. But then they feel like they're not productive. They wonder why they're not getting anywhere because they are so bogged down by the idea of to-do lists. Uh, a good friend of mine, his name is Rajesh Sethi. He's a mentor of mine, an amazing serial entrepreneur. And he told me about a concept that was to thinkless. So he literally thinks, he puts down on paper things that he wants to spend time thinking about. And then he goes and spends some time thinking about a concept and really digging into why, how, what he's going to do with it. And then at that point, he can check that off and move that into a different place in his planning process. And so focusing on spending some time really figuring out what your whys and your, your musts. That, that sounds like a great thing, and it sounds like something that anybody could begin doing today. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone should be doing it today. And we sometimes fall into the trap of not doing it. You know, I'll tell you, the, the days I don't do it are the days that I'm running late because, you know, I've got two young kids at home, and this week they were both sick. My wife was traveling, and so I was juggling a lot. And, and I found myself when I was working, I wasn't spending the time on on those things, and I found myself having days that were not that strong or productive. When you take time to do it, it makes a huge difference. Paul, this has been so great. I appreciate you spending the time with us and sharing your knowledge and your experience with everyone. Hopefully people have gotten some good ideas of things that they can they can move forward themselves and, and put into practice in their lives. Um, for people who want to find out more about you, more about what you do, um, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, I'd go out to bossacademy.com. Go out there, subscribe. Uh, this isn't going to get you on a mailing list where you're going to get sold a bunch of stuff. This is going to allow you to get updates on episodes. You're going to get personal contact with me. And if they want to email me directly, send an email to info at bossacademy.com. Okay, great. Again, thanks so much for being with us today. You bet, Steve. And, and everyone have a great Thanks so much for listening to Harness the Web with your host, Steve Peck. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit HarnessTheWeb.net. We'll see you next time.